This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a good Friday. Well, <laughs> well it's not a good Friday. It's a good Thursday. I'm one day ahead, Coach. Well, believe it or not, it is my Friday. <laughs> oh, really? So I like that. Okay, okay. So you get the you get three day weekends. No, I get four day weekends. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that she tried to manifest Friday into existence. I did. <laughs> she did. <That's> all right. <laughs> I get those four days. I am Thursday through Monday off and go back to work on Tuesday. Okay, okay. Well, happy weekend to you, sir. Well, thank you. Mine'll start tomorrow, even though I was a little early today. <laughs> hey, that just means you're looking for uh, looking forward to Cinco de Mayo. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is this weekend. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. That's right. So, yeah, that's going to be a good fun weekend this weekend. Should be. Let's talk about that later. Hear that. <laughs> but right now, we're talking about aftermarket warranty. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Here comes my definition, Coach. I'm waiting. Okay. An aftermarket warranty provides protection for your car after its manufacturer warranty expires. That's it. That is, and there's a lot of different aftermarket warranties. You know, a lot of people, when you first buy a car, the first thing they want to do, they want to push you all these warranties. Okay? I bought many new cars. I've never bought one until this time. Mm -hmm. So you could buy a warranties through the dealership or the manufacturer. Right. Or you could buy them third party. And those warranties are different, and there's a lot of pros and cons with the aftermarket and the manufacturer's warranty. Okay. So when you start looking at those warranties, you need to be real careful. Uh, the manufacturer has a big markup profit in those warranties mm-hmm. because a lot of that's already added into the car. Mm-hmm. You know, so most warranties on cars can go from twelve thousand miles to a year, mm-hmm. or most of them right now are thirty six thousand three year. Mm-hmm. But some of them will go up to as many as fifty thousand mile warranty. Okay. So they sell you a warranty that goes to a hundred thousand miles. Or a five-year warranty, that gives you 50,000 more uh, miles of protection. But it's not exactly like the manufacturer warranty is because a lot of these are third-party warranties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's deductibles on some of them. All third-party deductible uh, warranties have deductibles on them anywhere from zero to $500. Okay. And that's per uh, service. Service, yeah. And so you got to be careful. You really got to take and watch what you're doing and make sure you read the contract. Make sure you keep up with the maintenance because that's one of those important things is keeping up with the maintenance. Uh-huh. Because just say you didn't change your oil a certain time. Uh-huh. Well, they can void that warranty. Of course. Of course. Of course. And then tell me why would we need to buy an aftermarket warranty? What would be the pro of that? If you had a new car, first off, if you had a new car and you had a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty, 
uh, you really don't need a extended warranty unless you're going to keep that car for a long time. Okay. If you're going to keep it more than two, three, four years, yeah, then you go ahead and get the aftermarket, the uh, third party or the manufacturer extended warranty. Mm-hmm. Now, those warranties you can get a powertrain warranty, you can get a uh, engine warranty, mm-hmm. you can get a uh, corrosion warranty, mm-hmm. or you can get a bumper to bumper warranty. It's according. Everything that's on that warranty is according to what you're going to pay. Okay. Now, if you're going to get a warranty that, say you're going to keep your vehicle four or five years, six years, and it's going to have a high mileage on it, then you will take and want to get a warranty that can help you and give you peace of mind. Because a lot of times, you know, nobody wants to face an auto repair. Right. Because auto repairs can run anywhere from $100 to thousands of dollars. Right, right. And most people are not prepared for that. So then you get that extended warranty, you have a peace of mind, now you can go. Mm-hmm. Quick question. You know how it is when it comes down to getting health insurance. You know, once you get up to a certain age, you start having to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. Would that be the same if you got up to a certain mileage? It's the same thing. Warranties are based on the prices, based on the year and the make of the vehicle how many miles you have on the vehicle, Mm -hmm. and even where you live. Because you think about it, even insurance, health insurance, is based on where you live. Right, right. So it goes the exact same thing on warranties on vehicles. Mm -hmm. And that could possibly be maybe a con. If we were looking at some cons, maybe your vehicle might not be able to be covered by an aftermarket because the mileage is so high? Because the mileage is so high, it may not be able to be covered. Once again, you need to make sure you read that contract, what it's going to cover, because now it's not going to cover everyday wear and tear. It's not going to cover mm-hmm. brakes. It's not mm-hmm. going to cover tires. It's not going to cover a battery. It's not going to cover everyday wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get a manufacturer's warranty and it's 36,000 miles, okay, it's going to cover a lot of that stuff where the first 12 months is bumper to bumper. Yeah. That means they will cover anything that's wrong with the car. Mm-hmm. After that uh, first year and that 12,000 miles, now stuff starts falling off. Stuff starts falling <laughs> off that warranty, and you're going to start paying for it. Okay. So let me tell, let me say this because this might, you know, I guess go with the whole warranty thing. When I purchased my vehicle, I purchased it used from the dealership. It came with um, a, a, a two hundred thousand uh, powertrain warranty, um, electronics not included. Right. So could I go and find an aftermarket electronic warranty? Yes. Okay. I just got through buying a car, and the that is the only thing that I bought was the electronic warranty. warranty. Look at you. I didn't buy anything else because the engine is not going to wear out. If you change the oil, you do all the maintenance on that engine is not going to wear out, but the electronics will. Yeah. And so really, if you're buying a new car – I would buy the electronic warranty. I wouldn't buy a tire warranty because tires are warranted by the manufacturer. If they're defected, they're automatically warranted Warranted by the the Mm -hmm. manufacturer. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things warranted out by the manufacturer of the tire, not of the car. Yeah. You can get the 12-month warranty on the car, but then you got that extended warranty on tires, uh, batteries, Mm -hmm. different things like that. Just like catalytic converters, if you think about catalytic converters, they're warranted for 80,000 miles. Anything in the emission system, that means the catalytic converter, that's the muffler, the pipes going up to the engine, sensors, all of that's up to 80,000 miles. Right. 
why would you need a standard warranty? Yeah. So the thing is, you need to make sure what you want that standard warranty for and what you're going to use it for. If you want the peace of mind, hey, I can go on a trip and I'm not going to have no problem, mm-hmm. great. Because there are warranties that will give you, these third-party warranties that will give you rental assistance. Yeah. You know, they'll give you towing, you know, just like AAA. They're not even a warranty, but they give you towing and roadside service. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is included, but you're going to pay for it. Right. Right. Uh, and then you talk about warranties are very expensive. A standard warranty. That's what I was going to ask you. What's the cost look like? Well, you can get it anywhere <laughs> from about $2,500 up to about $5,000 a year. Say that one more time. About twenty uh, up to twenty five hundred to five thousand dollars. Well, maybe not for the year for the whole warranty. Say if you got a seventy five thousand mile warranty, mm-hmm. five thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, a year. Not a year. That's going to be the total package, five thousand dollars. Oh, okay. They're going to charge you by the month. Either you can go from eighty five dollars to two hundred fifty dollars, three hundred fifty dollars a month, mm-hmm. according to what you put in that warranty. Mm-hmm. Because you're, it's like you customize an insurance. Yeah, you're, you're customizing, customizing the warranty. warranty. Boy, it would be nice if they had an all in one. Oh, they do. That's called, <laughs> that's called the bumper to bumper. Yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's the that's, premium. That's yeah. everything. It's going to cost you five thousand dollars. Yeah, you know. <laughs> And that's a third party. Now, you got to understand, manufacturer warranties, you do not have a deductible. Third party warranties, you do have a deductible. Right. So that means that for every repair that comes in, you got to pay something. Right, right. And now, if you think about the difference, too, on a manufacturer's warranty, they're going to be serviced at a dealership. And by being serviced at a dealership, that means that you're going to have dealer OEM parts, original equipment manufacturer mm-hmm, parts mm-hmm. and that may not be the warranty for everybody because there may not be a dealership close by yeah and so that warranty may not do good for some people yeah a third party warranty like uh just say we're going to say card shield a car shield just throw that out there they're one of the biggest um Warranty, third-party warranty. Yeah, I see it on the list. Right. And by them being one of the biggest, they have uh, authorized dealerships and authorized shops that will work on the car. Mm -hmm. And as they work on the car, you have to take it to their Pacific uh, shop right. in order to work on it. Right, right. So included in that those that listing, um, there's one called Protect My Car, Car Checks, and Endurance. I've seen a couple of commercials for Car Shield, def- not a couple, a lot of commercials for Car Shield. <laughs> so they're doing pretty good there. But yeah, I love the whole talk about aftermarket car warranty because there's so many times that I've purchased a used car and I've gotten limited um, warranties from the dealership. So it's always great to be able to you know cover yourself but then you start talking about certified cars okay the warranty you have certified cars that's really another dealership uh warranty on the car Mm -hmm. you can get a certified car and have a better warranty on it than a new car okay okay believe it or not you can get fifty thousand miles i mean you can get unlimited mileage on that one on a lot of their certified cars and you can only get fifty thousand on some of the new cars. So where do these certified vehicles live? <laughs> well, Honda has a certified. Okay. Oh, Ford okay. has a certified. Okay. Mercedes. Okay. All of them have a certified cars. And what they do, they add that price of that certification where they certified that car mm-hmm. back into the price of the car. Okay. You are paying for it. Yeah. 
But extended out. For it's extended the, out. Yeah. It's in your, I uh, would say it's in the price of that car and mm-hmm. it's in your payments mm-hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. Now, you can do the same thing with any manufacturer warranty. You Instead of having to pay it up front, you can pay it uh, in your installments. You can finance it because right. most people do finance uh, the warranties. Right. But once you start thinking about what type of warranty that you want, how secure are you with your vehicle? You know, is it one that's reliable that you don't have to worry about? Mm-hmm. Is it one that has high mileage on it? Mm-hmm. One that you may think is going to break down? Mm-hmm. Those are what you got to consider, right? When you're buying a warranty, right? Well, that's some good tips. We're talking about aftermarket warranty. Is your car under recall? I'll tell you how you can find out. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms um, for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Well, here are some recent recalls. 94,000 more Nissan Leafs are recalled over defroster instructions. Following a recall in February for the same issue with newer Leaf EVs, approximately 94,300 model year 2013 to 2017 Leafs are now being recalled for an errant owner's manual. Um, instructions for defroster no operation. The owner's manual? What? <laughs> the, co- the owner's manual is sending you in the wrong direction? It, it will. will lead you in the wrong direction if you don't know what you're looking for. Yes. <laughs> Let me give you some irony right here. Today's uh, auto case the 2023 Nissan Leaf. I know it. I know it. And I saw that. Casey, don't look at that manual. I saw that. I Put that manual down, that. baby. Put it down. Start again. Right. So you'll get Auto Casey's um, his his review on the knee, on the Leaf. But here's the recall on the Leaf. <laughs> the instructions now for the defroster operation are incorrect and may result in reduced defroster performance under specific conditions, which can limit visibility while driving and increase the risk of a crash. Just don't. Read the instructions. That's probably the writer's guild. (laughs) (laughs) The writer's guild. That was great. The first thing we get is cars being recalled because the the instruction manuals are written wrong. That's right. Instantly. That was good, Coach. That was good. So they're saying it's a mercifully simple fix. Nissan will mail an addendum with updated instructions for correct defroster operation for free. Um, Owners will be notified May 26th, but those with further questions can contact the automaker. Just don't read that manual. Um, Kia recalls 108,000 plus vehicles over blank instrument cluster display. Affected vehicles include model year 2023 Nero, Nero. PHEV, Soul, Sportage, Sportage Hybrid, Sportage PHEV, and Telluride SUVs equipped with digital instrument cluster containing excuse me, a 4.2 inch screen. The issue involves the instrument cluster cluster y'all can't get it all out. The issue <laughs> The issue involves the instrument cluster software, along with voltage instability upon starting the vehicle, which can result in booting errors. The errors may cause the instrument cluster screen to blank, preventing the driver from viewing important information. This can increase the risk of a crash. Dealers will update the instrument cluster software for free. Owner notification letters will be sent on the 26th, but you can contact the manufacturer. Well, I was thinking about on that one, maybe the... uh Car thieves won't steal so many of them now because they can't see where they're can't going. Can't see a thing. <laughs> I, I would have probably, I'd be like, I like this minimalist <laughs> instrument panel. This display, this minimalist display. No, baby, that's off. That's not, there's nothing there. It's just not working. Oh, okay. That's dark mode. 
<laughs> in the daytime. Right. That's dark mode. <laughs> okay, so here's some other recent recalls, but you can go out there and find them on the recall website. 2023 Subaru Imprezas have big exterior lighting issue. 2023 Ford Rangers have wheel issues. 2023 Ford Broncos also wheel issues. And 2022 Mazda CX-30s service brakes and hydraulic issues. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic, Traffic Safety Administration's website. I'm going to get this out today. It just sounds like we got a lot going on here. Right. NHTSA.gov forward slash recalls or find their safer car app. We're talking about aftermarket warranty. We're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. We're going to go straight to the phone lines. You are... Um, Alan, <laughs> you are on with Coach Charlie. Oh, good morning. Oh, I just love this show. I called before, but since so you're talking about warranties, I wanted to ask Coach, um, when I got this uh, 2019 Ford Funk, uh Fusion last September, I decided to go for a six-year complete. I don't know. I sound like that. I got to find the copy. But uh, my, by pressing my um, horn, stopped working. Mm-hmm. When I brought it in, the service, service that uh, part of the Ford, it said that it was uh, damaged. And I said, it's, um, it actually, first it came out and said, well, you were playing around with it. I said, it's in the horn. I don't know anything about Horns and most cars in the first place. Well, I'll tell you I what. Just to, wondering what, what did I do? Take a sledgehammer if they hit the the horn? No, you, you know, say people, is it still under warranty? Yeah, it's six years. I just got it last September. Okay, so what I would do is call the uh, look in the back of the uh, book and the owner's manual and go to the uh, customer service of the vehicle, call that company and get on there with the customer service and tell them what happened, that your vehicle's under warranty and they said that you damaged it yourself and you have not been in that uh, steering wheel because in order to get to the horn, you got to remove the um, airbag and all that and you had nothing to do with that. So it's probably in that whole unit on the top of the uh, steering column. So I would call them and complain to them because they don't like to complain. Uh, and I will tell you, I just give you a deal what happened the other day. On a, I had a friend that had a um, Forester, okay, and he took the Forester that was going to cost them $2,200 to fix it. The dealership ended up fixing it for $315 after he called the customer service. Uh, okay, so um, go Go to the company. Don't go to the where you bought the car. Yeah, you yeah. Don't go. Don't go to the dealership. Call the uh, number in the back of the book of the owner's manual. Talk to the customer service and tell them that you're having a problem with the dealership. That they're trying to say that you messed the car up and you have not touched it, and they'll take care of you. Oh, okay. Good thing I called too. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for calling. Alan, thank you so much, Alan. We're going to stay on the phone lines. We've got Harry in Louisiana. He is having a changing oil question at mileage. Harry, you are on with Coach Charlie. Could you tell me what uh, mileage you recommend changing the oil? Uh, What type of vehicle? Uh, Toyota Camry car. Okay, do you drive it all the time, or is it uh, one that sets up, or what? No, we drive it frequently. Okay, what year is it? College, about 
12 years old. Okay, yeah, I got one about 20 years old. Uh, I change that oil about every 5,000 miles on that particular vehicle, but I put high mileage oil back in that vehicle. Um, so I've been doing that, and my car has 381,000 miles on it. Wow. And it's a Toyota, okay, it's a Toyota Camry. Okay, my next question is, should you change the filter every time you change the oil? Oh, yes, sir. Change that filter every time. Because really, the filter is what breaks down. It's full of, that's where all the trash goes, all the dirt. It's really not the oil. The oil itself is probably still good a lot of times, but you want to go ahead and change that filter to make sure that it's cleaning that oil like it's supposed to. Okay, I sure do appreciate uh, your help, and you got a great program and really help a lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Harry, for giving us a call. Coach, I want to stay on some of these questions right now. I've got an email right here that says my number one cylinder coil went out on its 1.84 Banger Civic while driving. Power went down abruptly. It was if you restricted the air intake down to the size of a drinking straw. It's a Honda 2014. I was scared to death of crossing the highway from a dead start. You could coax it up to 40 miles per hour if allowed both time and distance. Why would they do this? This is coming from David in Macomb. Well, first of all, if the number one coil went out, that means that the cylinder was missing. You had a dead cylinder. It wasn't igniting that fuel. And all manufacturers, they put these vehicles where they'll go into a thing called limp mode, and they'll only go up to a certain miles per hour, Mm -hmm. okay, because they want you to get back to the dealer. Now, what they did on that and the reason why they're doing that, if that cylinder went out and on not as much as new cars, but older cars, if that cylinder went out and quit sparking, what would happen? Fuel would go down the catalytic converter, then it would destroy the catalytic converter, and now you got thousands of dollars worth of damage. Okay. And so they put it in limp mode, want you to get straight to a dealer or something, so you cannot destroy the catalytic converter. Okay. Nice safety net there. safety net. (laughs) David and Macomb, I hope that helps, and thank you so much for giving us an email. Um, A next email I want to get into, got a 2006 Chevy Avalanche 5.3 engine, check light is on, put code reader on it, and it said that it's the gas cap, change the gas cap, and the engine light is still on, and reader is still saying it's the gas cap. Any idea what else this could be? Thanks, Coach. Well, a lot of people do uh, read codes like that. That's an EVAMP code, and that's your emission control system. And what happens on there, a lot of them say it's a gas cap, and what you can do, even though you put a new gas cap on it, just wipe the... um, neck where the gas cap goes on but that's probably not the problem it probably has a gross uh leak and that anytime the evap has a gross leak that means that it's a big leak it could be a hose Mm -hmm. right there at the tank or right on top of the tank or in the evap system and that's what i would check okay because uh you could have little leaks they call small leaks or called gross leaks and the gas cap is a gross leak and it could be one of those hoses on top of the uh Fuel tank. Okay. Okay. Well, that's coming from T. Coleman. T. I hope that helps you out. Coach, now tell me, while we're dealing with fuel right now, you had a fuel um, car story. You've been working on a car when it deals with fuel. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, one of our listeners had a car, and it's a 6.9 Mercedes, and uh, we've been working on this car. He called me after the show of fuels, and we were talking about bad gas in the vehicle. And mm-hmm. what we've done on this particular vehicle, first thing we had to do is pump all the gas out of the tank. We put a new fuel pump on it, put a new fuel filter on it. Then we had to start replacing fuel lines because once we finally got it cranked up, this vehicle has a 
it's called a fuel distributor, and what that does is like a uh, spark elect, uh, elect, uh, electronic ignition mm-hmm. distributor, but it distributes fuel to okay. the injector. It's okay. a little bit different, and on this particular vehicle, it was still had bad gas in the the line in the line up to that fuel distributor and you just can't get all the bad gas out so what we did we put new spark plugs in it we got it cranked up started burning that bad gas out Uh put some additive in the fuel to get rid of some of the bad gas after we got it all out and we've been working on for about four weeks now we finally got it to run yeah and then you know once once the vehicle's been setting up for that long about seven years you got other things that's going to pop up Uh as it starts running Uh but the thing is we got the engine to run. Right. And that was the point. Well, that was the that was what he wanted me to do, is get the engine running. Okay. Now so. we just got to fix the rest of the stuff that's uh, gone by. A that's little bit of time. Right. <laughs> Good story, Coach. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton High School's Automotive Technology Program, is our expert host. I'm Jermaine Flood. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy. Thank you for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. In the news, preserving AM radio in the auto dashboard. Coach, you listen to AM radio. You know, I do. If I was trying to find something, Late night, or I want to find a sports uh, channel. Yeah. I go to uh, AM radio. I do like AM yeah, radio. Yeah, they're trying to take it away from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just don't know why they're doing that. That's not a safety feature. <laughs> so here's the issue: um, automotive manufacturers, as they introduce more electric vehicles into the market to meet growing consumer and clean energy demands, the availability of AM radio is declining or being eliminated altogether. Some automakers claim electromagnetic interference with the AM band is an insurmountable obstacle. Other manufacturers cite the ability to get AM radio from other sources. Either way, 82 million Americans are in danger of losing the AM radio they rely on for music, news, and information, emergency messaging, and other forms of entertainment. Well, maybe they'll bring it back. You never know. Right, right, right. So why is it worth protecting? They're saying AM radio is essential in an emergency. AM radio is important to rural areas of the U.S. And AM radio matters to all communities and is still valued by automotive consumers. So there's more information. I'll leave the link in the podcast description, but you can go to wearebroadcasters.org forward slash demand on AM. We're talking about aftermarket warranty. You can email your questions to auto at mpbonline.org. Bob in Hattiesburg is on the line. He's got a changing motor question. Bob, you are on with Coach Charlie. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. All right. Briefly, uh, with 2006 uh, X-Tara Nissan uh, with a big uh, uh, V6 motor in it, uh, had the timing belt uh, replaced one time and it broke, and then about a year later it broke again, and and the lady said out of the woods there, and the rats and squirrels ate up all the wires on it uh, before we could get it back and figure out what to do with it. We wonder what would pro- uh, be the approximate expense for putting a new motor in it with new wires. 
Well, you're probably going to have, did it eat the whole wiring harness or just up to certain sensors? They ate up just about everything on top of the engine and built a nest. Yeah, well, you're going to get a new wiring harness, or you mm. could go to the junkyard and get the uh, connectors off of uh, a motor that they already got out of the vehicle. But you could probably find a used motor. Um, and, you know, I've always put a lot of used motors in cars and not really had no problems but, but with one. But you can go to use, uh, find you a used one probably for about $2,500 or maybe a little less for that vehicle. And, yeah. it, and it wouldn't have many miles on it, but, um, you know, 80,000 to 100,000 miles. But that's what I would do unless you wanted to pay the 4000 4, or $5,000 to put a used rebuilt one. You put a rebuilt one in there because you you're not going to pay the price for a brand new one. Yeah. No. But what would a brand new one cost? About $5,000, $6,000. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you experience a lot of rodents and rats. Uh, oh, yeah, where, where people just leave their vehicles setting up out in the woods and all. Uh, the yeah. best thing to do there is, well, you know, a rodent gets anything that has uh, food or any crumbs, they can find that. But a lot of times what happens, those rats would get up on the engine and for some reason, they like that insulation. It's a soybean. Uh, the insulation is made with soybeans. Yeah. And they like to eat it. Well, you know what? I'm uh, on electric wires out in the woods area going up a light pole where you run a light up where uh, automatic light is. I've seen the ants eat the insulation off of electrical wires. Yeah, you know, because it's made out of a food product. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, All right, Charlie. Thanks for your uh, program, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. We're going to stay on the line. We've got Joe and Olive Branch on there. He's got a Wrangler question. Joe, you are on with Coach Charlie Melton. Hey, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, I had a question. I've got the 2018 Jeep Wrangler JL, and it's got the Pentstar, I think, upgrade one in it. And I was curious to ask what your thoughts were on the oil change uh, timing on it. Uh, I know with the original Pentstar and my JK, they recommended around every 3,000 miles. And I was wondering if that's about the same, especially now that I'm getting up in mileage. And considering that the Pentstar has had the issues with the cylinder misfires, I know that someone was talking about that a little bit earlier. Do you think it'd be worth, since I'm about to hit 100,000 miles on this, looking into getting an extended warranty on the engine? Yeah, you know, being that engine up to 100,000 miles, if you, you know, if you're going to keep it, I would go ahead and get an extended warranty because you can get up to 150 to 100 to 200,000 mile warranty on that vehicle, you know, and they would protect that engine. Because that's really where all your money's going to come in. Uh, you get the drivetrain uh, for the transmission. You get that probably. But as oil change, you know, being a high mileage vehicle, I'd say three to five thousand miles constantly. Change that oil, change the filter, and make sure you put good oil in it. You know. Okay. Yeah, I've been uh, using Mobile One in it. Uh, I think this one calls for zero or five W. Five twenty or five thirty. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. But, yeah, so uh, I'll definitely take a look at getting that uh, insurance on it then. Yeah, just make, I, I really want to keep this one. Yeah, make sure that when you look at the warranty that you read the fine print on there and see exactly what they cover in that warranty so you don't uh, buy something you don't need. Okay. 
Well, I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for giving us a call. We're going to stay on the phone lines. We've got Curtis on the road. He has got a question about his F-150. Curtis, you were on with Coach Charlie. Yes, I have a 2010 uh, F-150 XLT, and it seems like the lifters are, like you can hear it, passing louder than normal. It's got about 290,000 miles on uh, don't have the oil leak. I get the oil changed regularly. Do you think I should put uh, high mileage oil in? Yeah, with 200,000 miles on it, yeah, does, that has that 4.6 in it, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I got a 2010 with a 4.6 in it as well, and I changed it over to high mileage. Mine has 169,000 miles uh, on it, uh, 169,000, and I changed to that high mileage oil, and it it, it works fine. You think that would stop the, the, the lifter tapping so loud? Oh, yeah, because you're putting a thicker oil in it. It's going to go ahead and put you some mystery oil in there, a Marvel mystery oil in there one time, put that in there, and that should clean those lifters out because all it is is uh, the varnish and all on those lifters and everything on those tappets. Because that's an overhead okay. cam. That's an overhead cam engine, and yeah, you just need to clean out. Put put some Marvel Mystery Oil in there, or some type of engine treatment, where to clean that engine out a little bit. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Curtis, for giving us a call. We're going to stay on the lines. We're going to go to Jay real quick. Jay is behind the boards, and he's on the phone now. This is a different Jay. This Jay <laughs> is an Olive Branch. He's got a fuel line damage question. Not Jay White, but Jay, you are on with Coach Charlie. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Coach, how's it going, brother? I'm doing great. Hey, yourself? Oh, pretty good. I got the 68 Reveal. I'm restoring up. Got a running crate. Perfect. Uh, I got a stroker in it, 383. The only problem is my hard line from my pump up to my car. Uh, the hard line is going to put a, a sharp. The way the fuel pump is, the way it's set up, it's, I'm going to put a sharp 390-degree pink in that hard line, and we don't want that. So I looked up on it. They said rubber line is cool. A few rubber lines. They said, but you cannot put any type of additives in that fuel line because it'll start breaking that part apart and go up in cars. But I just want to get your input on it. Well, they do make fuel lines made that are for that. You know, um, I just got through putting some fuel lines on a car, uh, the 6.9 Mercedes 79 Mm -hmm. model. The same thing. the rubber lines now, they're made differently. They can handle a lot more additives now. So I wouldn't be afraid to put the rubber lines on there. I've never seen one unless it was real old to come apart. So, okay, okay. so you shouldn't uh, have no problem on that. I got one more question. Uh, I got headers on it. Uh, what do you think about wrapping your headers up to keep the heat from uh, expanding, you know, so your engine will get so high. Well, you, you wouldn't want to wrap them because you need to dissipate that heat. You got to dissipate that heat. If you wrap them, you're holding that heat in there. What I would do is uh-huh. put a put a shield. You know, they do have uh, shields that you can put on there uh, away from the headers to uh, so uh-huh. it don't get so far, so it'll get away from the headers. But you, I wouldn't wrap them because, uh, you know, most headers are just solid steel. Or stainless, just coming straight uh-huh. out, and that that engine would get too hot if you wrapped them. Gotcha, gotcha. So just get a shield to keep them away from those spark plugs. Uh, away from the spark plugs, keep them, and that way you can it'll dissipate the heat, but you're not holding it towards your spark plugs and all. Okay, so wrapping you wouldn't you wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't wrap them. Nope. Okay. I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. We appreciate you, Jay. Not Jay White, but we do appreciate, appreciate Jay, Jay White. 
he's he's of course the engineer. But we appreciate you for giving us a call, Jay, from Olive Branch. We're discussing aftermarket warranty and taking your repair questions. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up in Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. When it comes to electric vehicles, Tesla gets all the press. But you don't have to spend a lot to get a lot. And proof of that is the 2023 Nissan Leaf we have this week. From the outside, it looks sleek, looks modern, but it's also got a little bit of the Nissan family look with the floating roof and the edgy styling. I do like it. Inside, think more compact crossover than tiny car. Plenty of room for four people, all their luggage, fold-down seats, and lots of storage cubbies. Also a lot of safety gear on this car. You've got adaptive cruise, forward collision alert with auto brake, lane keep assist, rear cross path detection, and also lane tracing steering. But under the skin is the powertrain that really gets this car attention. You've got 214 horsepower from the electric system, plenty of power to accelerate and get out of your own way. You've got 212 miles of usable range, and it's a very pleasant car to drive. Charging takes a little long. If you do it on a 240 volt home charger, you're looking at about 11 hours. DC fast charging, about 45 minutes. But it's also very affordable, keep that in mind. This one here that we have is $36,895, but the leaf starts at right around $28,000, minus tax incentives, and you're about $20,500. This is AutoCorrect. If you missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. It's Southern Remini Kids and Teens. I'm Jermaine Flood. Our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Well, since we're talking about aftermarket warranties and manufacturer warranties, the main thing is make sure you need the warranty that they're trying to sell you. Don't be sold something that you do not need. Just make sure you investigate and read and make sure you know what you're talking about. Get to looking in there. Get to looking. There's different levels and everything. So you've got different deductibles and all. How much money you want to spend. Right. That makes (laughs) sense. We're going to go to the phone lines. We have got Ed and Natchez on the line. Ed, you are on with Coach Charlie. Good morning, Coach. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? All right. Well, I got a 2007 Chevy Impala with the 3500 engine in it. And just recently, I was driving along in the low-pressure oil stop engine light come on, which I did pull over. And I checked the oil. The oil is full. And well, when I cranked it back up, the light go out, and it didn't come back on anymore. But when I got it home, I did go up under it. I see a lot of oil around the top of the oil filter. Could that possibly be that sensor? Or well, you do, you have a sensor that's that's on the. I think you got a, a oil level that's on the pan, a sensor there. Okay, and then you have a pressure switch right there by the oil filter. A lot of times, that pressure switch by the oil filter goes bad. So what I would do is replace that first because it's only about twenty five dollars. That's an easy fix oh. if that's it. You know. But that's okay, usually is, is that's it, usually what goes bad. So if that go bad, you'll let oil leak out. Well, it's not going to let it leak. Well, yeah, that sensor does leak. Uh, matter of fact, it leaks out where the wires are coming out of the top of the sensor. Oh, okay, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting some oil coming from up around the top of the filter, rolling down the filter. Yeah, you want to yeah check that sensor and check that out real good, and make sure that uh, oil filter is tight. Okay, and don't use a tool on it. Just make sure it's tight with your hand. Don't use anything else. Is that switch hard to get to? Uh, no. You know, if you can get to the back of the engine or where that filter is, it should be pretty easy. 13, 16th socket. 
All right. Thank you, Ed. We're going to stay on the phone lines real quick. We've got just maybe a minute or two. Trent is on the line. He's having a Mercedes noise, and that's right up your alley, Coach. Trent, you're on with Coach Charlie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, sir. I got a, uh, I just say I got a C300 uh, Mercedes. I've been having the thing about 10 years. Yeah, I ain't had no problem, but only problem I have, when you go down the road, you hear some noise. So me and my friend, we thought it got to be the wheel bearing. We jacked the car up. We did. We shook the tire. We couldn't get no play in it, so we just went on and just put them on there anyway. But it didn't stop the noise. But later on, I got a recall on about the subframe. I don't know what they are, subframes. We call them the subframe. So yeah, the, that's just where the uh, where the you have the frame itself, then the parts that's coming off where the wheels and all, or the subframe. What most likely, if you had a recall on that, those bushings are bad. And they're going to replace um, those bushings in that subframe. So that could be my problem right there. That the could, noise. yeah. I would go get that recall done, and then see if that noise goes away. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, thank you, Trent. Thank you, Coach. You've done it again today. Man, we had a great show. We did have a good show. Talked about some aftermarket warranties. Helped a good few people out on their vehicle. So, Guru is 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 an understatement for you, sir. Well, just hope that we're putting out the information that everybody wants to hear. Right. I think they do. They always tell you that they do. That's right. When That's they right. hit you up. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our crew engineer was the the wonderful and talented and just super smart Jay White. Right. <laughs> that guy right there. Our crew engineer assistant was Abram Nanny. That's a new one. And welcome, Abram, to the MPB Think Radio team. Abram was also an assistant as the call screener today. That's right. In addition to Jason Klein being call screener as well. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Jermaine Flood. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.